This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Inujia Dean. Today is Thursday, November 18th. Coming up, Kevin Strickland has spent 43 years behind bars for a crime prosecutors now say he didn't commit. One retired judge says more African-American representation in the criminal legal system could have kept him out of prison in the first place. There is no question that a black person raised in a black community who was either a judge or an attorney on either side or a juror would absolutely know right away that something was wrong. And we'll hear why some Missouri lawmakers want nurseries in state prisons. But first, some headlines. Kansas Governor Laura Kelly announced yesterday that all fully vaccinated adults in Kansas are now eligible for a COVID-19 booster. Suzanne Perez of the Kansas News Service has more. Kansas health officials hope that making boosters widely available will reduce the chance of a winter surge in COVID-19 cases. Anyone 18 or older can get a booster if they are at least six months past their second dose of Pfizer or Moderna, or two months past a Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Currently, there is a high risk of community transmission in all Kansas counties. Kansas is joining several other states in making the booster available in advance of likely federal recommendations. Data show that all three COVID-19 vaccines approved or authorized in the U.S. are highly effective in reducing the risk of severe disease and death. casino workers in Missouri, Kansas, and other states will become part of a class action lawsuit alleging their wages were illegally reduced because they smoke. KZUR's Dan Margulies reports. A federal judge in Kansas City granted the workers certification as a class in their lawsuit against Penn National Gaming. Locally, PNG operates Argosy Casino in Riverside, Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway in Kansas City, Kansas, and Hollywood Casino St. Louis. The lawsuit alleges PNG illegally deducted $50 a month from smokers' wages in violation of the federal law governing private employee health plans. Although workers could avoid the surcharge by completing a smoking cessation program, they say they weren't entitled to reimbursement of past surcharges. A lawyer for the workers called it, quote, ironic that they were penalized since many of them work in casinos where smoking is pervasive. For months, Jackson County prosecutor Jean Peters Baker has said that Kevin Strickland, who's African-American, is innocent of the triple murder that put him behind bars in 1978. KCUR's Luke Martin reports that her case for his exoneration rests in part on the hairstyle in his booking photo. You don't have to know a lot about black hair, but you have to know a little to know these are not fresh braids. That's Jean Peters Baker during closing arguments last week. She's talking about Kevin Strickland's braids as they appear in his mugshot taken the day after the murders. Strickland's hair is in about 10 or 12 sections. Each section is braided into what's called a plait, about a pinky thick. The lines between each plait where the scalp is exposed are fuzzy looking. All this matters because the witness who identified him at the crime scene told police that Strickland was wearing his hair natural, that is, in a short afro. During last week's hearing, Strickland, whose nickname is Nardi, read part of the police report filed at the time, where the witness told cops what she saw. The only difference in Nardi's physical appearance at this time, different from when I saw him on 425-78, is the clothing he is wearing, and he now has his hair braided. That little detail, that his hair was natural Tuesday night but braided Wednesday morning, is incredibly important, says retired Judge Ladaris Hazard Cordell, especially considering Strickland was convicted by an all-white jury. There is no question 
that a Black person raised in a Black community who was either a judge or an attorney on either side or a juror would absolutely know right away that something was wrong. Hazard Cordell was the first African-American woman on the Superior Court of Northern California, and she recently wrote a book called Her Honor about the strengths and flaws of the criminal legal system. The first case she ever heard as a pro tem judge while still assistant dean of Stanford Law was a small claims dispute between two black women. One was the hair stylist and the other was a person who received the style. And she would not pay the hair stylist because she felt that her cornrows were not done well. So Hazard Cordell asked the litigants if she could inspect the evidence in question. If the braiding was done well, then there wouldn't be a lot of hair outside of the braids. It wouldn't look fuzzy looking. It would look very neat and very clean. And her hair was not neat and clean. Hazard Cordell ruled that a partial payment was in order. The exchange, she says, drove home the importance of representational diversity on the bench. According to data from the American Constitution Society, just 2 percent of judges in Kansas were women of color and 9 percent were men of color. In Missouri, a 2019 report found 3 percent of judges there were women of color. Only 5 percent were men of color. If this case had come before any of these other judges, especially most of them were white males, they wouldn't have had a clue. To get a clue, I went to braid heaven run by Shelley and Glennis Smith, sisters from Guyana who have been doing hair in Kansas City, Kansas for more than 15 years. Hi. Hi. I had them take a look at Strickland's mugshot. How old would you say that braid job is? I would say at least a week. At least a week. At least a week. And the reason why I would say at least a week is because you can see his the plaque growing away from the scalp. So that's new growth. And you cannot have new growth within 24 hours. That halo of frizz around Strickland's head, Glynis says it's irrelevant. You can frizz it up. You can. Yeah, as soon as you get it done, you can frizz, frizz it, up it up if you, you want to. You can pull a few strands out and make it look frizzy, but yeah. you cannot create new growth. Mm. That's just the, the, a natural process. Strickland's case, of course, is about more than just hair. There's the lack of fingerprints putting him at the scene, and the two men who pleaded guilty to the murders saying Strickland wasn't there. Prosecutor Jean Peters Baker says the woman who identified Strickland in that lineup wanted to recant. The witness thought she made a mistake, and her family testified that it haunted her until she died in 2015. According to one of her staffers, Baker, who is white, is also the one who made Strickland's braids an issue. Years ago, Baker learned how to braid the hair of a family member who was black. What she learned back then could end up having major implications for Kevin Strickland. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Luke Martin. Coming up, one way to strengthen bonds between mothers in prison and their babies. I'm Nomi Inujia-Dean. This is Kansas City Today. At UMB Private Wealth Management, a division of UMB Bank, UMB always puts your interests first. UMB's registered advisors are fiduciaries, so that means they are legally and ethically required to only recommend investments that are the best fit for your individual circumstances. UMB provides one-on-one guidance to help you make savvy financial choices on your wealth-building journey. Tap into high-touch financial planning services so you can earn, grow, and create the life you want. Learn more at umb.com wealth hyphen management. This is Kansas City Today. 
I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. The bonding experience is an important one for mothers and their newborns, but when the mother gives birth behind bars, often the baby is ushered away shortly after birth, likely to end up in the foster care system. One Missouri lawmaker says having nurseries in prisons could change that. Representative Bruce DeGroat of St. Louis County spoke with KCUR's Steve Kraske on Up to Date. Representative DeGroat, it's nice to have you. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Steve. How are you? I'm well, thank you, uh, uh, Representative. I appreciate that. Um, why is it time for incarcerated women to have access to a nursery after they give birth? You know, I was just talking to to uh, uh, Jeff Smith, former former uh, senator, who is right. also interested in this bill, and he, he's a Democrat. And uh, I asked him, and in, in somewhat somewhat jokingly, I said, Jeff, why why didn't you, you, you could file a bill when you're a senator, right? And he says, well, yeah, sure. Um, why didn't you file a bill like this when when you were in control, when when the Democrats had, had control of of uh, the, the General Assembly in, in the state of Missouri? And, you know, his response is, it, it just wasn't on our radar. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know why this, this really isn't a Republican or a Democrat bill. It's, it's a, it's a human dignity bill, isn't it? And I, I, I think that, that we've, we've kind of evolved to the point where people are starting to think about these types of issues. While I'm not, as, as so many people seem to be willing to do, lay the idea that Republicans are all mean spirited because right. they, they, they don't, they don't do more of this thing. I'm, I'm also not willing to, to lay the blame at, at, uh, the feet of Jeff Smith and the Democrats mm-hmm. who are in control of the General Assembly. As things stand today, how quickly our moms and their newborns separated representative, you know, they're separated sometimes for good. Yeah, typically 24 hours. Wow. Wow. I can only imagine the pain that a separation like that inflicts. What have you been told about those separations? Really good question, Steve. Uh, you and I are males. It, it, is, it is incredibly difficult for, for us to imagine what that would be like. My ex-wife certainly had a closer bond to that baby, certainly right after that baby was born than, than I did. So I can, I can only, only guess at what it's like and, and try to learn anecdotally. And, and having, having spoken to some of these women, it's incredibly painful. Um, they, they report crying for weeks on end that, that the, the incidence of postpartum depression um, last much longer mm. and, and much more frequent. How long have you been trying to get this bill passed? Well, this is the first year that that we we filed it, and and again, like we talked about earlier, I don't know why I didn't I didn't file a bill like this the first year I was up here five years ago. It just wasn't on our radar. Mm-hmm. I gather that you believe that the care for at least some of our prisoners is falling uh, short here. I do, and I, I don't. Um, I blame that on society. I don't blame it on certainly not on. The Missouri Department of Corrections—they're doing the the best that they can in 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 horrible situation. I, I think that the General Assembly, the governor—they've um, all been supportive. They 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 recognize that it's time for us to start looking at some of these issues and and uh, treating these folks a little bit better. You said there are any number of positive outcomes to building a prison nursery. Can you walk us through uh, some of those, Representative? Well, sure. I graduated from the University of South Dakota which most of you know is the Harvard of the Midwest. And <laughs> I was a criminal justice major there. And one of the tenets, uh, principles that they taught us as a criminal justice and political science major was, was that um, once a person has um, served his or her debt to society, once they've served their term, 
uh, it's incumbent upon us to get them back out into society to mm -hmm. to make them be the let them be the best that they can be. It's all about giving these people dignity so that when they have served their debt to society, they can go out and, and be the best person that they can be so we can get them back, providing for themselves off of the public dole, providing for their families, getting them back on the tax roll so that we can go out and build out state roads and bridges, which is what we seem to be doing best in this state. Is this an expensive proposition, Representative? We, we don't have a, a, a final number yet um, to outfit a, a uh, prison nursery. We're estimating um, that it would cost between two and three hundred thousand dollars. I'm trying to get trying to get private funding for that. Um, if not, I've already spoken to the budget chair, Cody Smith, who is also very conservative. And uh, I got to tell you, not not only is he supportive of this idea, he was also supportive of the feminine hygiene products bill. He put that money, which by coincidence was a, also about two hundred and fifty or three hundred thousand dollars that was going to cost. He put it in the budget before the bill was even passed. That doesn't sound like a lot of money, and you know, state budget is so big. Uh, would anyone really disagree to a fiscal note with uh, three hundred thousand dollars attached to it for something like this? It's funny you should say that, Steve, because I was just at a women's foundation meeting, and and uh, I, I told them there in, in in St. Louis that six years ago, when I was first running for for election to the to the general assembly, if if uh, Don Gosen, who was who was my representative at the time, or or any any uh, politician had come to me and said $300,000 is an insignificant amount of money, uh, even in Jeff City, I would have said, vote that guy out. Do not, <laughs> do not vote. I would have voted for myself. Mm -hmm. But uh, in a budget that but is about $44 billion, right. um, $300,000 is really you know money to find in the seat cushions. That was Missouri State Representative Bruce DeGroat and KCUR's Steve Kraske. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast was produced by Byron Love and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. You can read Luke's story on the importance of hair in the Kevin Strickland case on KCUR.org, where you can also hear a live stream of Kansas City's NPR station. If you like our show, leave us a review on your favorite podcast app or leave us a voicemail at 816-235-8930 with your feedback. Tomorrow, we'll ask why Kansas is letting a private company decide whether the state releases public information. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.